Hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. We are, this is, I think it's, this is almost a VSE, Andy. A very special episode. It really is. Because <laughs> joining us tonight, to put these in friend, terms that uh, our guests would understand, it's like when a certain member of a high school in Beverly Hills, after a lot of controversy, graduates. Yep. And we, and we all, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, she got drunk at the prom. They explicitly told her not to. So I, I, I right. kind of I understand what's but, going on. But the punishment, Travis, didn't fit the crime. And ultimately, I think we all learned and we all were better for it. And that's well, that's what a, v, a classic VSE, a very special episode, like you joining us tonight. Well, it, it is it is a pleasure to be here. And, and any time I can get favorably compared to Donna Martin, I feel like we're off to a good start. <laughs> I never quite understood her deal that she and, and the rest of the clique were kind of insular. They really didn't hang out with anybody else. So why everybody else felt that their obligation to get okay. her to graduation, I've never understood that. Okay, speaking of that, one, one of my favorite inexplicable moments, and, and I'm sure a lot of people familiar with you know, Brian and I from our time at 710, Travis with his time currently at 710, you've heard discussions before on air of Travis and my love for Beverly Hills 90210, specifically the high school and college years. Everything that happened after that, I don't I don't give a crap. No, it's, it's sort of like when Emmett Smith played for the Cardinals. So you don't acknowledge it. <laughs> but the, right before the actual graduation episode, like leading up to that, there's this, <laughs> there's this great episode where there's a whole school assembly where they all get together and watch this video, like it's supposed to be like a video tribute to the entire graduating class, except it's all just the eight of them. <laughs> and the rest of this class is sitting through this video montage celebrating these eight, these eight classmates. And at the end, they like all applaud. They love it. Like the whole school worships this clique. Well, I, I don't think you're giving David Silver, the videographer, nearly enough credit. He, he clearly knows what his audience wants, and that's just more of the, of the group. But I, I, when you originally started, Andy, I thought you were going to talk about the episode where Brandon makes his, um, his black friend and then they squash it. I thought that's oh. where we were going with that, too. Well, no, actually, that uh, David was the one, I believe, who squashed it. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. He was, you're David, right. yeah. Why? Yeah, remind me. Um, there was there was a rap there was a rap battle going on, and um, the rap battle involved some uh, some people with, I guess, gang ties. Or I believe or, it was Willie's nephew who was originally yeah. dropping Willie, bars. <laughs> Willie from the Peach Pit. Right, and then and then David overheard him uh, using his equipment and was intrigued by what he was hearing and. You know, it was it was the classic. Um, you know, they they didn't get along at first, and they found a common ground through music and developed a friendship. You like the yeah. Shakespeare, really, right? As, <laughs> as, as one does. Um, I, I I just I do feel like a lot. You know, this has been a very controversial uh, uh, summer and in fall, and I I wonder how much of our our just national conception of social justice is rooted in the idea that Donna Martin needed to graduate, you know, <laughs> like, like how much of it goes back to that, like what we learned in that moment. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I can tell you that I base all of my personal political and emotional decisions on everything that Donna Martin would have done. She's my, she's my North star, <laughs> my, uh, my guiding light. 
WWDMD. I will say this. When when I was, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, when the show was in the heyday, because I, I happened to be basically at the age that all these that all the main right. characters were at the same sure. time. It just it happened to fall chronologically around the same time. I used to occasionally get jealous of Brandon's ability to always know the exact right thing to say at the exact right moment. Just these incredibly galvanizing speeches that I just would not have been prepared to make at like age 20. <laughs> well, he, he was the only one I knew that would yell at adults as a teenager and get and be on the right side of things and get things. Oh, the, the adults would like thank him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, with cause. I mean, but you would have thought Luke Perry would have been better at that because he actually was like 33 at the time. So, <laughs> well, he was he was kind of the 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 average age of all of them. I believe that um, our fearless leader of SAG after a Gabrielle Parker <laughs> in her uh, 40s or 50s when she was in that show. Yes, <laughs> she, I always think it's strange that I'm in the union. Like, like, like still don't quite. All, all I know is that they cash my checks. I know that for sure. They do that, and they do provide yeah. even with the you know the controversy around the health insurance. And not to get too far down this rabbit hole, it's excellent insurance. So I'm happy to be there. I just it, think it like that. I am in the same union as Gabrielle Carteris. It's weird <laughs> to me, and it always weird will be similar to like I hope my children like one day turn around and go. You remember that four years when Donald Trump was president? president that was weird <laughs> well yeah, look if, was we, odd. if we can get out of it with just that was weird <laughs> I mean, at this point i'll take weird oh so travis you are of course the the you know you hosted at 710 espn in the mornings and uh pre and halftime and post uh with the rams you do all that coverage um the the rams travis made a lot of people angry this 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 weekend yeah. And as 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 all of these conversations do, it goes back to Jared Goff, and we've talked about this. Are we we're, are we back to Jared Goff sucks? We're in the neighborhood. We're around the corner. Um, we're, we're not quite on that street yet, but we've 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 gone back into the neighborhood. Um, the route on Ways isn't far from the final destination. Okay, so I, I've, I've honestly spent a lot of time thinking about this. Um, I don't think he sucks. I also don't think that he's great. I think he's somewhere between this isn't going to work and this is really the guy that we'd love to have, which typically is not a great place to be. Um, I don't know if this is bad or good or neither. When everything is good with him, he's fine. When the line is well, when the line blocks well, when the running game is good, when the receivers are, are, are playing well and the defense is playing well, he's fine. He's going to keep the trains running on time. But when any of those components breaks down, he really has a hard time. And, and the, the more I watch it, there's, there's two things I think that happen. Number one, and, and this is obviously relative to other professional athletes, not general human beings. He's not a great athlete, so he can't escape stuff. He can't he can't get away, which is when you when you look at guys like and I'm not comparing him to these guys, but when you look at a guy like um, Rogers or Mahomes or Wilson or one of these or Kyler Murray is a new they they can they can buy a second or he's two definitely not he's definitely not Kyler Murray. <laughs> no, but, but he's he's really almost lumbering when he tries to get away. I, I was going to say he's not mobile even by comparison to other quarterbacks no. who aren't considered mobile. 
Like, no. like he's not Gardner Minshew mobile. No, he's not mobile in any sense. He's he's like, and he's not mobile. Like, for instance, no one would ever think that Peyton Manning was a mobile quarterback, right? He was a classic, big, tall, strong pocket guy. He'd stand back there and look and throw the ball. Even by that standard, he's not mobile because Manning would dip a shoulder. Manning would slide up in the pocket. Manning would do all these things. He just kind of stands there. I think that's one of the problems. The other problem is, and this is kind of weird, I, I think he's too willing to get his clock cleaned. Get on the ground, dude. Get get down. Throw the ball away. Have it. Be, it it's fine. It's third and 15. That's cool. We can, You can punt. You've got the best punter in the league. Get rid of it. And, and that's the part to me that is the most um, troubling is that the, the, the alarm bells that are going off saying, you're about to get your head kicked in, end this, don't go off in time. That's why I get the fumbles. That's why I get those crazy throws. Um, when everything is good, he's good. And, and look, they went to the Super Bowl two years ago, so it's not like the guy's a bum. That's the part that kind of gets me going a little bit when I get the tweets and the calls, and oh, he sucks, and you got to get rid of him. And, you know, he, they, he bench him. It's like, come on, they just gave him $100 million. You're not going to bench him, and he doesn't suck. It's just not. No, and by the way, nobody knows who the backup quarterback is. Like you, you, you do not know who the backup quarterback in the Rams is. So stop. Like, <laughs> but you if you did know, you in. might be less comfortable making those calls. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the backup quarterback for the Rams, if I'm not mistaken, is like four foot eight. <laughs> he's an he's an elf. <laughs> I mean, like we're not exaggerating. John Wolford is the backup, correct? Still, he still. Is. He is. John Wofford's still the backup, who I think... See, Andy doesn't know his name. He called him Wolford or something. Wolfie. Enough, I believe. I, and by the way, I'm not going to stake my <laughs> I think it's Wofford. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I know it starts with a W-O. I know that. <laughs> and there's a Ford at the end. I'm really yeah, very, yeah, very I believe it's Wofford. Um, his friends just call him J-Dub. <laughs> so that dude who played quarterback for um, the Broncos the other day, right? The wide receiver. Correct. It's Wolford. 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 Wow. There's, there's an L? There, uh, yes, there is an L. But it's silent. Let me pull this up again. It's a silent L. I, I like to pronounce it Wofford. <laughs> yes. It, you know why? But, you know why? Because there's no L in Wofford. But, you know, he's a winner. Proving our original point, yeah. Travis, like, yeah. your living is hinged to this team. Yeah. And you weren't 100% sure on this. John W. That's how he's listed. He is also, he's listed at 6-1. That's crap. That is a he's lie. Not. <laughs> oh, that's not true. That's not no. true. So I believe he was the starter at Wake when the guy who played quarterback for the Broncos this weekend was the backup mm-hmm. who had to go to Hawaii. So I, I don't know. They, they Look, unless Jared Goff gets hurt, John Wolford <laughs> is not, <laughs> not going to become Allegedly. Right, right. <laughs> No, nor nor should he be. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a really fun, you know, almost adorable story that that he's their backup. But I mean, again, I've been in the locker room many times. I've been, you know, within no, you know, Michael sp- Michael Brockers brings him to to practice every day in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Brockers is a pretty big guy. Yes, yes he, he is. is. But Michael fun. Brockers is enormous. Is not. <laughs> Yeah. Now, you, you had mentioned before with, with Jared Goff that tendency to hang on to the ball too long, to not just get rid of it, even if it means taking the hit, taking that punishment. To, to Goff's credit, say whatever you will about him. The dude is tough. 
For sure. He's a legitimately tough dude. He is not afraid of contact, anything like that. Why do you think that happens, though, like that that tendency to hang on to it too much? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing entirely here, but my guess would be is he's waiting for something to present itself down the field. He's waiting for something to, to happen that's not going to happen and certainly not going to happen on time. I mean, you, you've, you, like you just said, Andy, that you've been in that locker room 100 times. Brian, I know you've done it too, that you hear the same answers from Jared Goff. After, after he has a game like he had against San Francisco on Sunday, after he has a game like he had against Miami a few weeks ago, his responses are all pretty much the same, which is, oh, you know, I just need to make some better decisions with the football. Well, okay, I, I understand that that's the right answer, but you can he continues to make the same bad decisions that lead to the same bad results. So I don't know what he's seeing, but the only thing that makes any sense to me is he's either waiting to see something that's never going to get there or waiting to see something that isn't developing on time or at least on the time that he would see. And you know, the, the very best guys, even the guys that aren't just lighting it up, even a guy like Kirk Cousins, right, who's kind of in the same general area as Jared Goff, that alarm starts to go off in his head like, I got to get rid of this thing. I got to get rid of it. Jared Goff just stands there and waits, and that's when bad stuff happens. See, that's the thing that, like, when you were going through that thing about, like, how – because uh, go back to the Tampa Bay game, like the 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 throw he made to ice the game to Cup when he rolled out to his right and threw a dime. It's, like, it's interesting, actually, really quick, Brian. Before you get to your point, for a guy who it was going to be a good one for a guy who cannot run at all and is not mobile, he actually throws well rolling. Much he's better actually, than standing in the pocket. Yeah, but, but he he's much better in both ways. Whether it's yes. Yes. White, he's really good on the move. His greatest trait as a quarterback is he's a pretty accurate guy when, when given time to set up and throw. And when he boots either way and is on the move, he's really good. But I, I, and they, I, I don't know if that's not an option because you're trying to get the running game going. I'm not a sophisticated enough football strategist to tell you why that can't be used more often. But when they do use it, 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 it you're right, Andy, it does work. And so he's like the Sundance kid in that regard. Um, but like you go to you go to that that throw to Cooper Cup that ice the game. That was a fantastic throw. And so, like, you know, but you, you talked about it, like when the pockets are when the offense has got rhythm, when he's moving and you know, the, the receivers are open, he's in everything is on time, everything's out, the running game is going, and this and that. He really does look like a fantastic quarterback, except you've just described every NFL quarterback that there is. That if you can keep them off their back and you can, you know, get your receivers open and you have talented players around you, like they look good. Because like, and and I'm thinking to myself, you're talking about Kirk Cousins, yeah. like that could just as easily be Kirk Cousins, who's fine if you don't do anything to make. And so, like the part, like obviously, Goff can go to a Super Bowl. We've seen it. He can win you a championship. He almost won that one. He's mm -hmm. not terrible. You're right, but I mean, it, the the best quarterbacks or even the next tier down can elevate either an offense, like the running game, can't get the running game going. That's okay. Jared will help us here. Like where would you, how many quarterbacks would you take before him in a, in a two minute drill where you're down by six with five, you know, 90 seconds left, you know, well, Ten? so in that specific scenario that you just described, I mean, there obviously be you, you take Russell Wilson, you take Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, and 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 there's probably several others that you could mention. But in this, he's pretty good in the situation you just described. 
it's it's the middle of the third quarter with six minutes to go and you're up by two that makes you kind of go ah every time he drops back because that's when 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 they play with a ton of tempo when they get him on the move and when the rush isn't just absolutely coming at him because they're dropping more guys in coverage to make sure they don't get over the top he's really good he's really good in those Late game situations, you go back to the Tampa game like you guys are talking about. He drove down the field. You looked early when they were playing with a lot of tempo. He threw some beautiful passes. What happened was it was early in the third quarter when they were, I don't want to say they were comfortably in the lead, but they were. the Rams were in control of that game early in the mm-hmm. third quarter. And it's when you're trying to just kind of march down the field that he seems to have the most trouble. And I, I, I really do think, as silly as this sounds, he's he's too willing to take a hit. He's too willing to wait for that half an extra second for something to happen. Think about the two primetime games this weekend. You had uh, the, the Packers on Sunday night, and then you had Russell Wilson last night on Monday night. Right. Both of those guys, when they're running with the ball, or, or they, and, and somebody gets within five yards, they drop on the ground. They drop on the ground. And, and, and the, the fumble that uh, Goff had the other night where he's running, it wasn't a, it's not like somebody blew him up. It's just he, he got tackled like a running back. Well, he's not a running back. The ball, the ball comes out. Jared Goff should, unless it's to, you know, fourth and one and you got to stick your nose in there to keep the drive going, get your ass on the ground. May and, I offer a theory? Do we know that? for sure that Jared Goff can slide? <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, his dad was a major league baseball player, for goodness sakes. I would imagine it's, it's not genetic. It's not like <laughs> yeah, there's sure no like you know, it's not like blonde I, hair. I can't think of a lineage of athletes of great sliders. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if Lou Brock or Ricky Henderson have any son. I mean, does Tim Raines' kid only slide head first because the cocaine in his back? <laughs> I, I, I ask that just because there are certain, I guess, sort of athletic things that other quarterbacks we establish can do that he can't. And to be honest, the, some of those things Jared Goff looks extremely awkward doing. Yeah. And I wonder if the reluctance is just he knows he can't. Well, okay, look, I, let, let me be perfectly clear. I wasn't suggesting that there was a genetic component to a hook line. <laughs> <laughs> what I was suggesting was that I would assume having a father that was a major league baseball player and Jared Goff having obviously a tremendous amount of natural athletic ability to go play at Cal in the NFL probably dabbled in some little league at some point (laughs) (laughs) or had a slip and slide. I I picture that. I mean, because the original, the original scene in field of dreams was not him going out and having a catch with dad at the end. It was dad. You want a hook slide? (laughs) (laughs) And and he said yes, and then they tested it, and it did not test well. It didn't didn't test well, but like I, and it is important. What the point you're making that Jared Goff is not a good athlete by NFL standards. (laughs) He is an excellent athlete by human standards. By by regular human beings, he is the thinnest slice available. By the slice of the NFL, he's not. Right, and it's you know, it, you know, and it's all kinds of stuff. Like I was reading Jordan Rodriguez, who we love on this show, and and is just great. fantastic with the athletic. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna get her back on. I think Andy was before the Jets weekend. She yes. promised to come back. Yes, and we're just gonna make fun of Adam Gase. Um, it was her idea. It was. It really was. Um, and so like she she wrote this, you know, like that. Jared Goff has broad enough shoulders to handle this. What Sean McVay said, and I'm thinking to myself metaphorically because <laughs> physically not really <laughs> yeah well, i mean he's not he, he's not vinnie testaverde i mean he's, not, he's not something like that I, 
Look, I, I do think there was something to uh, Sean McVay doing what he did after the game because you, you like we were talking about a minute ago, Sean McVay, when, when they win, all the praise to the players. When they lose, I need to do better. I need to coach better. I put in some bad down and distance. I made some bad calls. I was an idiot on this play. I didn't do this well. And that's not what he said after this game. This game after the game was our quarterback needs to play better. Our quarterback needs to take care of the ball. So first time since Sean McVay's been yep. here where I've ever heard him say, yeah. this person did not do his job today. And, and, and it was really pointed because the rest of the team, look, they finally got the kicking squared away. The defense has been good all season long. The running game has been, you know, better than average. Not great, but better than average and certainly good enough to do what you want to get done. And he kind of put the finger on him. And and I, and I wonder if, you know, maybe it was just frustration, which I think, you, you know, you can understand that. But the other thing it could be, this could have been the first little move towards making a decision. And again, not to bench him, but at least – Maybe making a decision to sit him down for a series or something. Because I'm not again a reminder. I'm, we, we don't even know if Sean McVay knows who the backup quarterback is. John, little John Wolford. You mean like? Do you think he walks around the, the locker room and be like, "Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa that's the backup quarterback"? <laughs> Jesus, he's well, my size. When they made that decision coming out of the uh, out of training camp, I remember you know speaking with Kirk about it, and he's like, it, "Look, if Jared Goff goes down, they're going to call somebody. They're 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 not going to play with him." Um, man, you know, I, I, look. The other thing you can say about Goff, it is one hundred percent true. He's super durable. He he, yeah. he he's which you know is not unimportant you look around you know carson wentz is dealing with a whole bunch of stuff too and he can't stay on the field so it's a it's a weird you know, to your like point, I, though, I think Goff's strategy at this point is all i got to do is just stay a little bit better than carson wentz and i'm still the right guy they drafted but to, to your point though travis this this was the most explicit get your shit together i've ever heard from sean mcveigh i mean not talking about golf on anything, on on anything. anything. like yeah. he i have never heard him even really call out the team as a collective no. like you know he'll say like there's certain things we need to do better but but like never in that type of tone never with that type of specificity and never with the obvious frustration mm -hmm. that that you saw with sean mcveigh and, and you want it's interesting when i when i was when i saw that reaction we've talked a lot over the years about how mcveigh and goff their fortunes are tied together, and the organization did that on purpose. And it seemed very much at the time like it was a really good thing, and it may still be a really good thing. McVay but it's one of those trying to undive. But I was going to say it's one of those moments <laughs> where you get them out of the bin, and they're all knotted together. Well, I mean, it's one of those moments where, and you know, this is me playing armchair psychiatrist from a distance with Sean McVay, but like where if you ever, if you ever wondered how much he thinks about the idea of, no, really, my fortunes are tied to this guy. This was one of those moments. And it's not something that we've, it's not something that's really been thought about much in terms of a potential problem for the mm -hmm. Rams. More often than not, it's been celebrated. But but this is one of those times where it really felt like he's like, dude, like you need to pick this up. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. Um, I you know, okay, let's, let's so let's play this out a little bit, and and not that this is imminent, but if it did come down to a hey, we got to make a decision here. This is this going to work or not? 
I think the general consensus outside of the organization, I have no idea what's going on inside of the organization, but outside of the organization is Sean McVay has proven that he is a different head coach in the NFL. That, that you have all those guys that kind of cycle through and they're all kind of the same, right? You've got that group of guys that just from Hugh Jackson's to Todd Haley's and all these guys, they just kind of go around and they're, they're just guys. Sean McVay is not a guy because he came into that Rams team. And so Jeff Fisher, for example, Jeff Fisher been around forever, just kind of a guy, you know, moderately successful a handful of different times, but generally speaking, pretty mediocre. Sean McVay is better than that. I don't know if anybody looks at Jared Goff as something better than generally mediocre. I think if it put it to you this way, if, if you just had an open draft on coaches, Sean McVay would come off the board really fast and I don't think Jared Goff would would be one of the first round picks. I think you'd wait to take him in your quarterback draft. But if you got a high pick, you're going to take. Oh Sean. yeah, I mean if you if the Rams have to put in a position, I, mean, I know Andy, you're talking about them being kind of tied together, and I get what you're getting at. But if they have to choose, it's 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 a uh, McVay. It's not. Oh, even close. I'm not even. I'm not even framing this in terms of a choice being made or having to be made because we're not there yet. And you know, if you really no. want to get into the weeds of this, you start looking at Jared Goff's quarterback, I mean, Jared Goff's contract, and you start wondering, can you even make that type of choice? Like, it may be one of those things where everybody has to work together. I'm just saying it's, it, it felt like one of those reminders that, you know, those, those guys have really been put together, you know, with the hopes of becoming a West Coast, you know, Belichick Brady, not necessarily that type of success, but that type of relationship Want to ask you though, Travis? Something though that I like. I've asked Jordan Rodriguez about. I've asked Lindsey Theory. We may have asked um, uh, Ted Wynn. Yes, thank you. Um, about this as well. For so all many the guests, con- Travis. For, for all for all the concerns about golf, and you know, a lot of them have been real this season, or the issues they've had last season with injuries with the offensive line, and this year not having Andrew Whitworth is definitely not helpful. How much of this do you think, in terms of the offensive inconsistencies, comes down to they don't have somebody replicating what Todd Gurley did? Because the the first couple years, when the offense looked its best, I've always thought that his ability, you know, as a runner, but also too his ability to catch passes out of the backfield was ultimately what made that offense work more than even Jared Goff, more than any other single component. I, I think that's a huge part of it, that, that he was – look, I, I know he didn't win it, but he was not the, defi- the not the most valuable player, but he was one of the most valuable players in the league. He was unique for all the reasons that you said. He he was an incredible runner. He was, a, he was basically a wide receiver lining up in the backfield. He was that good at it, and he was an incredible pass protection blocker too. Like he yeah. – really, he never had to come off the field. There wasn't anything that he wasn't above average at, and 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 that's probably selling him a little short. There probably wasn't anything he wasn't excellent at. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. But that's just I, I think just life in the NFL that you don't get a bunch of guys like that very often. I mean, you, you think about running backs like that right now. I don't know if there's anybody like Todd Gurley in the league. There's good backs. I mean, McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and things like that. Sure. But, but, the, but, but, but I'm talking. Offense is totally different without him. But I, I was going to say, I'm talking specifically. You're, you're correct about that. There, are, there aren't that many of those guys to begin with. So it's not like you know all of the great offenses around the league, however many you think they are, all have their own version of Todd Gurley. I'm just talking about specifically this system. You know, the, this general grouping of people, because a lot of them 
have been there for three or four years. Yeah. And, and just what, because last season, Todd Gurley wasn't right. No. Or, or, you know, Sean McVay was reluctant to use him or a combination of both, whatever. I mean, it was the elephant in the room all season last year. This year, they've got a three headed, you know, committee that hasn't really had a commitment towards the running games, but the running games been fine. It's not, but but it wasn't good. It wasn't good against San Francisco, but it was no, but they run the ball pretty effectively. It's not though that they can't run the ball effectively, but I think it's different though when it's not one guy that things are sort of built around, like you know, like specific skill sets. I I think it's different, even if you've got different guys who can bring something to the table. I, I don't think it's the exact same thing. I, I agree with you, but I do think that, look, they're not as dynamic as they were when Gurley was at his best. But even last season, when Gurley was, you know, a, a fraction of what he typically was, and even though this season they're kind of running that three-headed monster, and you know, Malcolm Brown really isn't one of those guys. The other two guys are more more Gurley-like as far as guys that can catch and they're more explosive. They're a little bit faster. Um, but I think the offense, generally speaking, even without Todd Gurley, we've seen it now. Not as sustained brilliance like it was that first year with Sean McVay, the second year with Sean McVay until Gurley got dinged up. But there have been, you know, a game here, a game there, a month here or there where the offense is really good. And they're not averaging 35 points like they did with Gurley, but they're still scoring more than enough points. I mean, when I look at them, and I hate to do this because I, I do like the guy. I do think that he's good. The problem is Jared Goff. The problem is Jared Goff throws the ball to the wrong team way too much. He fumbles the ball way too much. And it's not just the fumbles that he that he drops and the other guys pick up. A lot of it is, too, where he gets the ball knocked down and his own guys have to fall on it. Yeah. And lose it. You're, you're losing yardage there as opposed to throw the ball away. You know, th- th- third and 10 is a lot better than third and 18. And you see that over and over and over again. And look, the offensive line has had some problems. It, it's been good, and it was very good before Whitworth went down. And it's still okay. The the running game is okay. The wide receivers, I think, are better than okay. They've got they've got some weapons there. Problem is the, the quarterback. Yeah. And he's when when he's right, it works. I mean, it's really that first half against Tampa. Nobody's stopping them. I mean, and Tampa's got a really good defense. Yeah, they and do. They, they just shoved it down their throat for a half. And then all of a sudden, the other Jared Goff showed up, and it, it wasn't the same. How, I mean, we'll get off the Rams here in a second, but like, how, I mean, they're the only, t- I mean, New Orleans looks like they're rolling a little bit now, and the Taysom Hill thing seems to be working, and eventually Drew Brees is going to be back. Like, they, they seem to be separating themselves a little bit from the rest of the NFC, but. You know, we we dissect a lot of the Rams' flaws. There's no real perfect team in the NFC. So, how far can they go? They can go as far as anybody else. Look, you know, the only the only team I think that the Rams, if you just if you say okay, the Rams are playing Team X tomorrow, and you're drawn out of a hat, the only team that comes out of that hat, two two teams that come out of that hat that you're like, ah, shit, I don't I don't know if I like this or not, are the 49ers, who probably won't be in the hat, correct, and the Chiefs. But- those are the only two teams that you look at and say, ah, everyone else. First of all, Seattle is arguably the best team in the NFC. Rams match up really well with them. We've seen the Rams play always have. pretty much every season for the last four or five years. Rams match up really well with New Orleans. They've lost him a few times. They've beat him a few times. Green Bay, eh, I know. I think Green Bay is a good team. Aaron Rodgers real scary. But to your point, 
there isn't anybody, Brian, that you say, oh, God, we got to play these guys. If, if he doesn't throw it to the wrong team, they can beat anybody. It, it, it sounds simplistic and, and obvious, but it's that's the Especially now that they may have a kicker. Like we, they've been giving up five points a week on kicks all year long. And they start chasing points because they miss PATs. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that Gay looks right and and he's been really good in the limited time that we've seen him kick. But it, it's not just that the kicks are going through, it's body language, it's the way the ball's being struck. Like when Forbath came in for that, you know, five minutes he was here, he was just hitting foul balls every time he'd go up there. I mean, it was just a mess. Like and then Willie the, Mays Hayes in the batting cage at the beginning of Major yeah, League. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. It, it's it, it's Goff. If Goff, if he, if he can give you a C plus or better performance, you're in really good shape. If he gives you something less than that, we saw it on Sunday. Especially too, man. That that defense, it's real. It's, it's I was going to say it's not just that it's been great. It's real because the first half of the season, you know, before they before they had their bye, before you know. You know, seven, eight games in, they had a lot of NS, NFC East. You know, th- there were a lot of yeah buts that if you wanted to throw in there, you could to try to explain some of this away. In the second half, they've been just as good, if not better. Yeah. W- when you when you look at what's going on this year, they've got a new DC and Brandon Staley. What stands out to you that explains their ability to actually step it up a level when they, actually heading into this season, there have been question marks about it. I'll tell you what, and he, his name gets said some, but not nearly enough, in my opinion. You know, Aaron Donald gets a ton of attention for everything that he does, and, and rightfully so. It's Jalen Ramsey, man. He, he, he's not Dion in the sense where he's getting a bunch of interceptions and high-stepping it back, going to the end zone. He takes away their the other team's best player. You saw DK Metcalf on Monday Night Football last night. It's you know, 700 yards. Everybody was going crazy about him. Like, oh, Metcalf, Metcalf, Metcalf. He was a big fat zero against the Rams because Ramsey just ate his ass up. He just disappeared. He had nothing to do with it. The first time they played San Francisco early in the season, early in the game, George Kittle was going crazy like he always does against the Rams. They put Jalen Ramsey on George yeah. Kittle. And that was it. He was gone. He, he, he was not he, he had shut down in the most literal sense. Yes. Like, like quarterbacks don't even look in his direction. No, and I think that's why that defense is so good. I know he was here uh, for about half the season last year, but I, I think the issue is is that they, they really are. That's why Darius – I think Darius Williams has four interceptions. It's because they throw at Darius Williams' guy every time. <laughs> or he's, he's been good. He's been really good. But but when you know that the ball's coming your way, you can you know maybe cheat a right. little bit. But I, I think that Ramsey is a huge part. And then, uh, you know, obviously Aaron Donald because – you know, teams have to get the ball out so fast. The DBs can cheat a little bit because they know they're not going to have really long developing routes. They have to hit them fast because if they don't, Aaron Donald's going to kill their quarterback. Um, what were you saying, Andy? Uh, no, I, I, I was just going to say they, they've reached this point now where you had mentioned Jared Goff at a C-plus level. If he can mm-hmm. – and. You know, I'd like to think he can do better than that. Mm-hmm. But really, if he can go C plus the rest of the season, like C plus with one turnover or no turnovers, that defense can take him home. I mean, that, that defense is good enough to take care of the rest. I, I, I agree. And I think the the one turnover, and I agree with you. I think that's the magic number. If you give Jared Goff an interception a game, that's fine. But I do think it matters 
what type of interception are we talking about? If we're talking about him pushing it down the field and a ball gets picked off, that's fine. But it's those, it's the one like the one that Javon Kinlaw on Sunday, and I know there was a pick six, and I'm not even talking about pick sixes specifically, but I'm talking about he's backing up, he's on his heels, he's got a guy in his face, there's all sorts of traffic flashing in front, and go down. It, and then he just kind of chucks it, and he's, he misses his target by five or six yards. It basically hits Kinlaw in the chest, and he walks it in. It wasn't just that it was an interception. It was a terrible decision that led to an interception. If they're just throws, you know, 15, 20 yards down the field to get away or somebody makes a play, whatever. But those sorts are just killers. Okay, we, we've got something going on right now in the chat that actually confirms a theory that I've had since Goff's rookie season. Okay. Um, let me go back to the original comment. John DeFullerton uh, asked, do you think Goff is distracted by his girlfriend? I would be. <laughs> to win. And, you know, his wow. girlfriend's a very pretty lady. Um, later on, yeah. Nathan Mark said, I had to Google Goff's girlfriend. Goff must have a great personality. And, and Brian pointed out in the chat, Jared Goff's a good-looking guy. He's a like handsome a, man. Like you can, he's not athletic. He doesn't get out of the pocket well. He doesn't. You know, if you get in his face, he'll throw an interception. He's a perfectly good-looking guy. I mean, as Brian pointed out, when he was a rookie. He used to get Ryan Gosling comparisons all the time. And I said in that moment, if Jared Goff is great, he's going to be known as the good-looking Ryan Gosling lookalike. If he struggles, all of a sudden he's going to start being thought of as way less handsome. We're seeing this right now. Like Jared Goff is regarded as a less handsome quarterback the more picks he throws. I, I think you're you're right about that, but Jared Goff could look like uh, I don't know Steve Buscemi. He's no, the, he's, <laughs> no he's he can't. He cannot. You cannot win in, in the NFL with an ugly quarterback. You can oh. get by with an average-looking quarterback. You cannot win with an LA, ugly. Hundred million starting quarterback in the NFL. I'm not he, saying. I, I'm not saying you can't date. Not, that's a, Travis. We're not. We're not talking about the same kind of winning here. <laughs> You can win with yeah. with that and be an ugly guy. You cannot win NFL games dressed poorly as a team. You have to have decent uniforms. I think that's fair. Um, and you cannot win if you're if you have an, a flat ugly quarterback. Like your quarterback this has to be at theory least we've average looking had. or better. Because we've ugly had. people do not inspire confidence. Like when you need your quarterback to inspire confidence late in the game, and you guys, you're down by six, you're on your own seven yard line, and you're in the huddle, and an ugly man <laughs> looks to you and said, "Guys, we're going to go 94 yards down the field and march it down their throats." You're not buying it, but when you look into Tom Brady's eyes or Jimmy Garoppolo's eyes, or you know when he's playing well, a Ryan Gosling comparison and Jared Goff, you say, "Yes, God damn it, we can go down. We're going to do this, handsome man," and you go. Yeah. The close. I mean, you. The, the, I, I'm just. I'm going. Ben I'm, Roethlisberger is your baseline. You cannot be any uglier than Ben Roethlisberger. Well, Terry Bradshaw. I mean, we're well, back I, in the no, day. Oh, Terry Bradshaw was not an ugly man. Oh no, like Cannonball Run era. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the flowing locks. Nick, Nick Foles. I mean, again, but like, is Nick Nick Foles is. 
not i mean that that was a thing that happened <laughs> but nick Foles is not a it's like a, a a classic that guy quarterback i'm gonna need like a like a mugshot book with all the pictures of the quarterbacks laid out I mean, we've really we've gone through this because this is a theory we've had for a few years that we've run past people like i it's very hard to think of an nfl quarterback who's had a reasonable amount of sustained success <laughs> that you look at and go not that appealing like, 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 really, you know, kind of. Jared, Allen, I'm just going now going through the standings. Jared Allen has a sort of a Marlboro Man kind of thing, you know, that you could say, you know, if if that's your deal. Um, I, you I want you to know this is going to keep me up tonight. Yeah, <laughs> good. I'll work as, as I'm lying in my bed trying to to go to sleep. I'm going to be going back to the days of Bart Starr and trying to. <laughs> now you're not you're bother me it was particularly not but pat you know pat mahomes perfectly good looking guy you know like you know ryan Tannehill. his problem in ryan Tannehill's problem uh in tennessee was never that he was ugly <laughs> i mean machine guns in the trunk of a rental car was that <laughs> <laughs> philip rivers has sired 47 children i mean you have to be at least decent looking to do that like people won't lie with you as they say <laughs> Yeah, no, it's an interesting theory. I, so I'm trying to think of the young guys that are coming up. And, like, do, does I, I does this bode well for the Chargers? Is Justin Herbert a handsome guy? Oh, oh he's sure. considered very handsome. You go okay. through the internets, he he well, is right, reacted when he, to well. He got his hair and he looked like he was 13 years old. That felt like a setback. <laughs> But, well, but, but I mean, he did. But he's young, anyway. And and it's the quarantine. I mean, like I think everybody understands. It's during a pandemic. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, good-looking guy. Uh, you know, Drew Brees, is, you know, is is a perfectly decent-looking fellow. I mean, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Matt Ryan is looks like a quarterback, and you know, um, Russell Wilson. You're 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 talking me into it. You're talking me into it. I'm, I'm just, it's I'm, one of these like there is science behind this. So too, it's, it's well, not just me. There is science about how good looking people, you know, like skate by in this world under like, but like they inspire you know, handsome people, handsome men inspire people to go out. Like good looking people go out and inspire ugly people. Again, you got only got eighty six seconds left in this football game, Travis. You got eighty five yards to go. Can't have an ugly person. I'm gonna have to do my own face research before before I can (laughs) have to comb through Pro Football Reference and uh, do like a a Facebook analysis. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. It's this is this is as as Mom would say. This is a true fact. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those don't matter anymore. No, no, they really. (laughs) Okay, now here's a good question: the Mannings. Objectively speaking, <laughs> are the Mannings handsome? Yeah, guys, I, I think we've discovered the fatal flaw in your analysis. Is Peyton Manning an ugly man? No, he's not, and and nor is Eli, but neither yeah. of them are handsome by any classic definition. No, no one's probably it, fair. Let me do this way. No, no one is going to go, hey, is that George Cooley? Oh, no. Eli nope. Manning. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know what? It's just, it was the way the sun was hitting his face. I couldn't tell. <laughs> but, 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 but you pointed out what Eli Manning looks like he might be dumb, <laughs> but he's, he's not ugly. Again, I'm not saying you have to well, be okay. Hot. This is perfect. Okay, okay. Curtis Painter was not a looker. Curtis Painter was a 17 year backup. That's yeah, my I, point. If Curtis Painter were better looking, okay. he might be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, for our theory, and th- this is really interesting. 
with Eli Manning, who, you know, I, I agree with Brian. He's, he's, he's certainly not repulsive or anything like that, but he's not, he's not like, I'm hideous. He's not, he's not like classically, you know, stereotypically handsome, like in that way. He's also somebody that has been debated his entire career. Is he actually a good quarterback? Like he, he's somebody who's thought been thought about as, you know, a very, turnover prone very erratic quarterback who happened to be in the right place at the right time with a couple super bowls you know if david tyree doesn't make a certain catch if you know if certain things don't happen his career is looked at completely differently peyton manning for a long time was thought of as a guy that may have been overrated like yes, totally a overrated. Man who can't win the big game <laughs> well so. i, I I think it's funny you're talking about him winning two Super Bowls, but he's more or less an average quarterback, which is true. That's just empirically true that he has two Super Bowl championships and his career numbers are average. They they just yeah. are. Could that not be Jared Goff? And, and, and look, oh, I'm not, I think if everything goes well, that is Jared Goff. No, that's what I'm saying. But but Jared Goff, just like Eli Manning, through a bunch of interceptions, was incredibly frustrating for Giants fans. But also the people that were inside the building knew that he had at least enough of the skills that they were looking for to win games. And when they would get hot, when things start, because I think one of the years they won the Super Bowl, they were nine and seven or something crazy like that. But maybe that's I even, it. I don't even know what that no, means. That's not what I meant to put up. I meant to put up this one. <laughs> this is my first five minutes of the show. <laughs> Very interesting. I'm looking at Matt's hysteria comments here, and, and uh, he or she is probably thinking, these three guys are talking about who's ugly and good looking. I, I would imagine that that's probably crossed their mind. I, I mean, there's no there's no rule when you, you do a show like this that you can't be hypocritical. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's similar to you know those who do do those who can't. Look, let, let, let's, let's so the bar is much lower for webcasts at 10 o'clock on weeknights. Like, the, we're not leading anybody 85 yards down the field. Maybe Peyton Manning is the exception that proves the rule because Peyton Manning is like, again, I'm trying to think of a quarterback that's like genuinely hideous and I can't come up with that's, but that's the point. Peyton Manning is not, a well, I mean, yeah, it's, Peyton Manning's it's, it's He's it's funny. actually it's going to be I mean and this again sort of backs up the theory it's going to be hard to find that hideous candidate because you know quarterbacks often you know from pee wee level through high school growing up they're often like the big man on campus types they're the BMOC there aren't a lot of ugly people in that group nope. to begin with no because then they got a little swag and all of these things but but Peyton Manning has a little of the Ken Griffey Jr. on nerve tonic look going on. It's, <laughs> It's, I'm it's, trying, like I'm trying to do this right. I, I just googled ugly famous people, <laughs> like Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop popped up. Yeah, he's, he's not. He's good. not good looking. If he's your quarterback looked like Iggy Pop, you're not going to win. Much. He is shredded though. Well, if you're giving credit where credit's due, sounds like Iggy Pop. You're probably not in a great point either. Let's see who else is on this. This is not a list you want to be on. By the way, it's not fair. <laughs> Um, and it's kind of mean. We're not on it. <laughs> Andy Kamenetsky. We're not. Let's let's be honest here, Andy. We're not famous enough to be on this list. True. Our 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 looks are not the problem here. They have Lil, they have Lil Wayne on here. Oh man, that's too good. <laughs> but you know, like I, I'm saying, I, Ben Roethlisberger is the baseline here. You cannot be uglier than Ben Roethlisberger and win a Super Bowl. Is Ben Roethlisberger uglier than Peyton Manning? 
<laughs> tomorrow on first. It's seven 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 ten ESPN. <laughs> I'll take your first time, long time. I'll take your answer off the air. <laughs> I mean, he's not good looking. Je- I mean, Jeff Hostetler won a Super Bowl. He, I mean, <laughs> but he started off as the backup, didn't he? Yeah, but he was the quarterback of the Super Bowl the, the year that uh, Scott Norwood missed the kick. But I think you get grandfathered in. Who was the starter there? Phil Sims? Phil Sims, yeah. Right, and he was decent looking. Yeah, he's fine. He's Hold fine. on. I'm going to pull up a picture of Big Ben here, and we can all decide here. Well, no, Big, this, Big Ben is not a uh, particular. No, and not. But, like, is he, <laughs> is he classically ugly? <laughs> Pretty big face. So he's got a lot of extra face. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of extra face. (laughs) Steven Tyler, Monty underscore ten says Steven Tyler couldn't be your starting quarterback. No. Yeah, that's true. Well, those ribbons that he has hanging off of his wrists would get in the way too. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of bangles going. On. <laughs> you don't have any, you don't have any space at that point to put on the wristband that tells you what the plays are. <laughs> all that other stuff there. His, his blouses would be in the way. Yeah, no, but look, I, I think we punched some holes in this. Roethlisberger and the Mannings are are both modern era Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that are a, a far cry from Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I think that's fair. Um, but, I mean, I, I do think, you know, broadly, broadly, I think there's there's something to this. Really quick before we move on, this was one are of Are we my, moving on? Yeah. I, I, I mean, at some point, you, you put a... You put I do have a game. I was going to say you put a lot of you. effort. You put a lot of effort into the game, so I That's figured true. I I want to make sure you get to pay it off. Yes. This was one of my absolute favorite, if not my favorite, pandemic memes, and I I was reminded of this just because Brian or either Brian or Travis, I don't remember which, brought up Iggy Pop. This killed me. Hold on, wait. Let me take let me take <laughs> off the band. <laughs> oh this absolutely killed me it slays me every single time i see it it's amazing i'd like to know if mass hysteria is still watching (laughs) (laughs) let us know mass if you're still here (laughs) if you're still around it's like for some people this this last like 12 minutes of this show have been like the reason they watch (laughs) and then for other people like again it's we're not for everyone (laughs) that's fair to say not for everyone, you know. It's just why we we float in and out of employment. Oh, I get it. This is great. not for everyone. Mass underscore hysteria. I'm hooked. There we go. <laughs> nice. Our kind of people, mass hysteria. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely, that's awesome. Come for the come for the sports. Come for the Travis Rogers stay for the pie trivia and questions about rats. Um, let's let's do the pie. Okay. Pie trivia. Um. Oh my God. Where did the tenth question go? Crap. Oh, well, hopefully we won't need it. Um, all right, so it's National Pie Day. Um, it, it is uh, one of two National Pie, P-I-E days, as opposed to the other one, which is National P-I Day. So yeah. pie, the food, gets two holidays as opposed to just one, um, which I think is fair. Yeah. No, look, pie, pie is it, it, pie is one of those great things. that it, It's kind of a litmus test. If, if you run into somebody that doesn't like pie, you can just keep it moving. 
You know, <laughs> it's like, I don't really like pie. It's like, oh, perfect. Then I don't like you. Like any kind of pie, like savory, like, oh, I'm not a sweets person, but well, okay, fine. What about savory? No. Yeah. No, they're, no. They're, I, I don't like pie. any food encased in any kind of dough. <laughs> but you hand me one of those, I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. That's not for me. <laughs> Um, by the way, I should say my favorite thing about Thanksgiving is two days later when my wife always will make for me pot pies. She makes turkey pot pie with the leftover turkey and the and uh, the, the 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 broth that she makes with the turkey bones. And every year, turkey pot pie, and it is my favorite thing about Thanksgiving. Are we talking about little chunks of potato and peas and carrots and all that? No, she doesn't do. It's she does carrots, celery. I think there's a little bit of potato in there, but she makes biscuits and, and the, the top crust is biscuits on top that she makes. And she bakes the biscuits in with the pot pie and it all just oozies and goozies together. And it's fantastic. That so I love my wife and I thank her very much for that. Really quickly before we get to the pie trivia, just because this question came up in the chat from uh, Jonathan Watson. Um, mm. You worked for a long time with Keyshawn Johnson in the morning. Have you ever, you know, Key is uh, Chef Boyar Key, the, you know, he does a lot of grilling. Have you ever had anything Key's cooked? Yeah, quite a few things, actually. And, Are and they actually good? Because his recipes, I got to be honest with you, they really aren't that complicated. They're not complicated, but they're really good. They're really, and, and so he would bring stuff in occasionally. Um, and without exception, they were really good. And, and more often than not, when he would bring things in, they were vegan recipes. And I was kind of always a little like, eh, you know, I, I'm not you know, like pathologically opposed to a vegan diet. I, I'll eat some vegan things every once in a while, but more often than not, they're fairly, you know, unsatisfying. Okay. These things are money. He, he can really, truly cook. Like when, when I first started working with him and he would talk about, oh, oh I made this and I'm like, yeah, right. Like Keyshawn Johnson knows how to cook. He really, truly does. He's a, he's a very, very good cook. That's good to know. Yeah. I'm yeah, he's tried. He's tried to sell me on a few of the of the vegan things as well. You know, I, I often sat in for you, and we'd have these conversations about you know the vegan diet that, you know, he's he's not full vegan, but yeah. his wife and his kids are raised vegan, so he ends up eating a lot of it. And there are certain things I'm interested in. That being said, like, and I, I've argued this with him before. At the end of the day, I feel like uh, like the Impossibles. The, they don't taste to me like either what they're supposed to or good enough that they'll move me away from meat. Like, for example, Trader Joe's has uh, like a vegan turkey patty that I think is really good. Like it actually, to me, tastes and has the consistency of a regular turkey patty, like ground turkey. Like that one, I think, is really good. The Impossibles, like I don't unless, by the way, they want to be a sponsor, in which case they're outstanding. But. <laughs> I mean, they're they're the best. They're, they're they crush ground beef. He says the same thing about Marlboros. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. God, I wish Marlboros. Hey, man, it's was. a pandemic. Times are lean. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to start smoking again, but I got to be honest. If you paid me to start smoking again, I'd find a way to justify it. But the, yeah. the problem with to me with something like like Impossibles is, I don't think they taste like ground beef. But they also don't taste like good enough that I want to move towards them. I don't. I don't think they taste bad. They just don't taste to me good enough that that I really make them a regular part of what I eat. 
So I, I generally agree with what you just said. I, but when it comes to things like the burgers and things like that, or the dogs, you know, just the the the, the patty substitute or the, the sausage substitute, they're not half bad because, you know, at least with a burger, if you've got the lettuce and the tomato and the spread and an onion and the pickle and all those things, you're getting all those things and the beefiness of the patty kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. If you want like a real hamburger with a big fat patty, that's a different thing altogether. But if you're just throwing stuff on the grill in the backyard and you're going to cover it with mustard and pickles and onions anyway, it does a trick. Yeah, I actually, I, I think it would be easier just to go vegetarian. Like vegan's tough. Oh, that's like, that's hard. Like I could make a vegetarian thing work if I really had to, but vegan that that's tough sledding, man. No honey. Come on, man. I mean, that's that's the, the bees want us to eat the honey. I, <laughs> that's true. That's, that's the only reason they're really around. The bees want us to. <laughs> they, they tell us that when they chat and they buzz around. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's National Pie Day. Okay. We keep you too, we don't want to keep you too far past 11 because we know you got to get up at like 2 in the morning to go do your job. So <laughs> right. we, you are on early. Um, so... <clears throat> Uh, these are a series of questions. Some of them are, uh, you will have to shout out your name as your buzzer and, uh, answer the question. Others, you will both get an opportunity to answer. I will tell you that before. Um, so you know what to do. Um, oh, oh, so Andy and I are competing. Yes, you are. Okay. Oh yeah. This is, this is competition and it's very important. <laughs> okay. Uh, so our first question for National Pie Day uh, trivia. This is these are questions about pie or pie related things. According to the website uh, where I got this information, this is the percentage of Americans who have claimed to eat an entire pie by themselves. You each get a guess closest to the pin wins. What percentage of Americans have claimed to eat an entire pie by themselves? I'm going to assume regulation pie, like a 12 inch pie. Andy. What percentage of Americans say they've eaten an entire pie by themselves? We don't know how many times Travis answered the question. (laughs) 45%. (laughs) Andy says 45%. Do do I just want to go higher or lower? Basically, is that what we're asking me at this point? Yeah, I mean, that would be strategically, sure. I was going to say something lower. I was going to guess about 35%. The correct answer is twenty percent of Americans have say they can eat have eaten an entire pie. Travis is up one. I just look at how big a lot of America is, <laughs> and I went with that. Um, there this, may or may not have been a pie in the refrigerator right out here about two days ago that's no longer there, and nobody in my family eats. <laughs> <laughs> but in one sitting, well, I mean, let's not judge each other, Andy. <laughs> 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 we all have we all have our weaknesses. Yeah. Um, all right, this one. Uh, your name is your buzzer. Boston cream pie is not actually a pie, but a type of this. Your Travis. name is your buzzer, Travis. It's like a chocolate cake with custard on the top. It is a cake. That is a correct yeah. answer. Boston cream pie is not a pie at all. It's a cake. Yeah. Travis up two zero. Got to say, you were the prohibited favorite. It's a little embarrassing that I'm acing the pie challenge. <laughs> it's embarrassing. But it's predictable. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Number three, the diner scene in When Harry Met Sally is famous for Meg Ryan showing Billy Crystal that she uh, and other women can, in fact, fake orgasms without the men knowing. They also do a funny voice riff about this kind of pie. Your name is your buzzer. Andy. Andy. Pecan. Pecan. Or also acceptable would have been pecan. Mm-hmm. 
Either one. Uh, it is now two to one. Here we go. One of the great uses of pumpkin pie, this is another your name is your buzzer. One of the great uses of pumpkin pie on television came here when a Thanksgiving episode of this iconic show, uh, uh, on an episode of this iconic show, the never seen character of Vera is smashed in the Andy. face with a, Andy. Cheers. Cheers with a pumpkin pie just as she is about to be revealed for the first time. I knew that one. You're you're quicker, Andy. Good good job. These aren't really questions about pie, though. <laughs> We're veering away from your strengths. Um, in the movie American Pie, Jason Biggs uses this type of pie as quote Travis. practice. Travis, apple pie for an extra half point. What kind of apple pie? Warm apple. Pie. <laughs> Travis is up three and a half to two. <laughs> I feel like that I should have at least gotten an opportunity. I'm really debating whether I want to do this or not. <laughs> this may come back to haunt me a little more. You're doing very well, Travis, with knowledge of pies and knowledge of sex with pies. Well, there's a scene right before that where I believe it's Stifler that he says it's warm apple pie. <laughs> That's exactly right. That you can do that on this version of the show. The old version, that would have gotten you in trouble. <laughs> You're cool now. It's all good. Yeah. You can say things and, and make hand signals. Well, um, yeah, all right. I'm doing my best stifler in that moment. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, your name is your buzzer. In 1857, a British soldier named Charles Pye, during something called the Indian Mutiny, which in hindsight probably should be called something else, uh, <laughs> shuttled arms and ammunition to the mess house uh, of the Queen's Fort, displaying steadiness and fearless conduct under fire. For this, he was awarded the Victoria Cross, that nation's highest military honor. What is the equivalent of the Victoria Cross in American military honors? Travis. Travis. The Congressional Medal of Honor? I will give you an opportunity, Andy, to, to try your close, but not quite. Purple Heart? No, Travis, you, you, what is it? You, you know? Yes. The medal, uh, of, the medal of part was correct. Freedom? The medal of freedom. Nobody gets a point Can, there, though. I mean, I, I'm willing to take half a point if Travis wants the other half. <laughs> I mean. As we've established earlier, I like holes of things. <laughs> True. Points both. Uh, number seven. This famous coming-of-age film includes an iconic tale of Davy Lardass Hogan, a bully Andy, boy. Andy. Stand by me. Stand by me, a bullied boy seeking revenge on his tormentors. Lardass enters a pie-eating contest, which he prepares by drinking a bottle of castor oil and a raw egg. When he's done with his fifth pie, Hogan stands up and incites what is referred to in the movie as the Barf-O-Rama. Can I get half a point if I know what flavor pie it was? Sure. I know that. Blueberry. It yeah. is correct. Blueberry. So right. it is now three and a half to three and a half. This has been a much better game than the Niners Rams over the weekend. <laughs> Actually, it was a pretty good game <laughs> for about four minutes. All right. Uh, this one is closest to the pin. Not surprisingly, Joey Chestnut holds the record for the most pies eaten in a specific time period. 4.375 three-pound apple pies consumed in eight minutes. So that's basically four and a third three-pound apple pies eaten in eight minutes. Wow. Closest to the pin, what is the caloric equivalent of four and a third three pound apple pies. Andy or Travis, you go first this time because Andy went first last time. The caloric intake of four of three, four and a, you know, four, three. Oh God, I I'll say seven thousand calories. How many? Seven thousand. Okay, Andy. Fourteen thousand. 
It is 26,040, the equivalent of 44 Big Macs. <laughs> Four and a third, three-pound apple pies, which he ate in eight minutes, 26,000 calories. That's 44 Big Macs. Andy takes a lead uh, with as we're winding down to the end. This is – you. Travis is very soon. It's going to be Jared Goff looking at a long field trying to come back here. It's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how that goes. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Joey Chestnut also owns the record for the most number of Big Macs eaten in a sitting, consuming how many over the course of 32 minutes? Andy, closest to the pin. For 32 minutes? I'm sorry. I'm gonna, yes. Over 32 minutes, I'm going to say he ate 46. Travis? Oh, I bet it's got to be more than that. If he's if he's throating seventy five <laughs> in ten minutes, I mean it's got to be more. So how many did you say, Andy? I said forty six. <laughs> I've never heard throat used as a verb. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say sixty. Oh, Andy was actually correct. It's it's thirty eight. Oh, wow. a surprisingly low number. Uh, and that's actually only 18,100 calories. So he actually did, from a calorie standpoint, did much more damage with the apple pies. Um, <laughs> all right. So Andy uh, has a one, two, three, four, five, five and a half points. Travis has three and a half points. The good news is, uh, is the last question, but the, the, the last question is worth two and a half points. Okay, so Travis... <laughs> Just by your good wow. fortune, <laughs> you are you are one. Everything lucky is coming man. up, Travis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Right. All right. Final closest to the pin question. This pie is uh, made at. It's a savory pie made at the Lord Dudley Hotel in Sydney. It includes two cuts of premium beef, two whole rock lobsters, presumably. You know. You know. They take the meat out. Rare winter black truffles, two bottles of uh, Penfold's Grange Reserve, and a pastry with 24-karat German gold leaf. Yeah. How much do they charge for this pie? And so I, will take, I will take this in American dollars. It's got this in – it's got a bottle of wine, two lobsters, two cuts of – Two bottles. Two bottles of, of, oh. of Penfold's Grange Reserve, which presumably is expensive. Uh, two cuts of premium beef, two whole rock lobsters, a rare winter rare winter black truffles, and a, and a pastry with 24-karat German gold leaf. It is the most expensive pie in the world. I'll say $500. Andy? $800. And Andy Kamenetsky runs away with it. The final score, eight to three and a half in pie trivia. A major up. This is like when Andy beat our uh, tomorrow's guest, Sirit Soe, uh, Soe with, uh, in, who is a Canadian in Canada trivia. Uh, wow. She's, yeah. I think she's still mad. She, Wait, I, she absolutely is. How much um, is the pie? What? How much is oh, the pie? It's 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 ninety five hundred Australian dollars, which is the equivalent of seven thousand American dollars. Oh, I was so I, we we both undershot the hell out of this. Oh, by a lot. You didn't really deserve the points. It was only because Travis's guess was so bad that we were able yeah. to give them to you. Joey Chestnut and and Oz, Aussie pies were my undoing. Yeah. <laughs> the actual questions about pies, you did perform pretty well. Yeah, I was better at those. I was better at those. And and personal pie consumption. 
<laughs> Travis is going to leave this thing going. That was not really a trivia about pies. Like I am really, <laughs> you're like Homer about. muttering to <laughs> governance. Oh, I have a, a protest I'd like to lodge. <laughs> be like that that episode of The Simpsons where Homer's muttering to himself up and down the hall, and Lisa asks him to stop. Anyway, kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid pies. I knew everything about them, but they was misled about what the category would really be. questions about key lime. There wasn't a fucking question about key lime or banana cream. Key lime is the best pie, by the way. It is a great pie. It is a you, fantastic pie. Do you like the the lighter green or the neon green? The lighter. The lighter. Because usually the lighter one has to hear. Now we're getting into my area of expertise. <laughs> the, lighter, the lighter one is typically much tarter than the fluorescent one. The fluorescent one is usually less tart, more sweet. Yeah. A true key lime pie is supposed to be tart because key limes are yes. tart. Um, yeah. All right. You you are 6 a.m., correct, is when you start your day these days? Five. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. <laughs> At least there's no commute. Yeah. Can't, can't you see? <laughs> <laughs> That's very clockwork orange. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, thank you for uh, for staying up late uh, and doing this. I'm very happy. It worked much better this time than last time. Yeah. I, I don't know if like the whole neighborhood isn't on the Wi-Fi right now or what. It's probably a better bet at, at, at 11 o'clock at night. But, yeah, no, this is good. I want I want to do it again, and I want to, I want to rematch in, in pie trivia. Well, you're welcome anytime. Uh, hey, baby, baby you if, come at the king. You best not miss. That's right. That's true. That's true. And who knows if what you were talking about before is true, then you might have more free time than you thought. <laughs> uh, dude, we, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. This was fun. It's always great catching up with you, man. We miss you. Tomorrow yeah. night, Sirit Sohi, uh, a Wednesday, or sorry, Thursday, uh, Lindsey Jones from The Athletic, uh, outstanding football writer. Uh, and uh, so we got a lot of stuff, fun stuff coming up this week. And uh, again, we'll see everybody tomorrow night. Thanks to Travis Rogers and uh, good evening. Donk you need a long. <laughs> <laughs>